0: Hey, Whipsters! this is the Women in Pants podcast, and I am your host, Shayna Brazier. Women in Pants is all about helping women overcome their work history gaps. We have our social media pages and our blog and our website, and this podcast is literally just another avenue to help you figure out and get the job that you want. And it's going to inspire you to overcome your work history gaps. Sarah and I thought that it was only appropriate to start with our own stories, so that's what this episode is. It's Sarah and I talking about our own work history gaps, why we have them, and how we overcame them. Now, this podcast is a super casual media outlet, and we intend to talk like we would if we were out on a girls' night with you, so please take a minute subscribe to the channel. It will keep you updated when a new episode airs, and it will help other women who need us find us. Because empowered women empower other women. Enjoy this episode. Hey, Sarah. How are you? Good, Sheena How are you? <laughs> Doesn't it feel weird to be like, we're going to have a conversation that we're recording. I guess. Um... <laughs> I think it's important that we start off this Women in Pants podcast with our own stories so that people kind of understand, you know, why we're doing this and what we're all about. Definitely. Um, I know for me, well, I think for both of us. Okay, so maybe we should just tell them. Women in Pants started from a very funny text. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. It is. I had sent you a text that was just like, we need to do something, or we should go into business together, or something like that, and you were like, it is about time, only um, you used an explicit <laughs> word <laughs> that I loved, <laughs> but I don't know if we'll put this on there.
1: It, is, um, it was about time, because it had been in a, a lot of previous conversations between us. Right. Not about going into business together, but about, you know not feeling fulfilled and trying to find work and right. de- navigating and dealing with that in our life. and
0: Right. And we had sat down and wrote out just all these ideas of things we could do. And we thought, you know what, you know what actually needs to be done is helping women either go into the workforce or reenter the workforce after a long period of work history gap. Gappiness. What did we call it? Gappy on another, on a podcast episode to come, because this is going to be the first one. Um, But I do, I think it's something that is hard for the women who are in our situation. And yet I don't feel like there's a centralized place to get help. And so that's where Women in Pants was born. And so maybe we should talk about our individual stories of work history gap, like why we have it. And why it's important for us now to kind of get back into the workforce. All right. You want to start?
1: So I have a work history gap because I was a stay-at-home mom. And I decided to be a stay-at-home mom. So I saw how hard it was for my mom being a a single mom working full-time. And how much she did want to spend time with us. but She just couldn't. I had the opportunity to either go to work or stay home since my husband worked and I decided I wanted to stay home and be with my boys and um, go that route.
0: I think both of us have our mothers as examples in this, right? Like my mom was the exact opposite example where she was a stay at home mom because my dad was the provider. And I actually really appreciated that. Like, I did have some friends who came home from school and had to go straight home, unlock the door, come in, lock the door, and then just stay there, which is, you know, that works for some families. But I know when I was growing up, I just really appreciated the fact that I could go home and I could yell out, mom, and someone was there going, I'm in the back room or I'm Mm -hmm. in the basement or whatever it was. Like that was really comforting to me. So it was definitely part of my decision too as far as whether or not to be a stay-at-home mom. I think, so my decision was part, um, I just really thought it was important. And, you know, based on my own personal experience and also based on some of the values uh, that I had embraced at that time, but also it was a little bit of a necessity because when I first started having babies, I did not have a degree And frankly, to go to work, um, making minimum wage, I would not have even been able to pay for childcare. Exactly. So it was, it was, it was definitely a decision that I made to be a stay at home mom, but it was also like not financially feasible for me not to be a stay at home mom with how much Drew was working. Drew's my husband. Maybe I shouldn't announce that first. (laughs) Drew is my husband. Which, with how much he was working and going to school, like, it wouldn't have been even feasible for me to get a night job and him to uh, watch the kids during that time because, like I said, he was going to school and working full-time. Like, he was doing, like, 80 hours a week. There's no way we could have thrown another job on top of that at that time. So, like, I feel like, I feel like this is probably the case with a lot of the women listening to this podcast. It's a multifaceted, complicated, beautiful scenario that gives them their work history gaps.
1: Oh yeah. And I, I, a lot of it also had to do with, um, kind of the culture that I was raised in. And like you said, the values that we held important, um, yeah, and at at that time, those things were important to me. And now that my kids are more independent...
0: Um, They're just not anymore.
1: <laughs> they are important, but I guess I have more world knowledge.
0: And, and you out. have more flexibility. Like, you just... You have more right. flexibility in your thinking and in your opportunities right now. Like, if your children were still baby babies, mm-hmm. I think... Um, there's different facets that go into making that decision. Not that, not that you can't make the decision when your children are baby babies, but it just, it just, there's just different, it's just different circumstances. Same for me. Like I, most of my kids are in school now full time. Um, I do have one uh, kiddo who is not, but it just feels like the right time. And I think that's one thing that, uh, you just can't argue. Like when it feels like, this is what I need to do to move in the next level for myself or my family. Like, that's just, that's what you do. And, and I think we kind of hit on this at the beginning. Like, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled anymore mm-hmm. as, as only having my role be mom, stay-at-home mom. And during this whole time that I've been stay-at-home mom, I did get my degree. It took 13 years. <laughs> but I did get it. Which is funny because, like, most people who go to school for 13 years have a doctorate. (laughs) (laughs) I do not have a doctorate.
1: (laughs) But what was your degree in?
0: It was in family life.
1: And during that whole time, you were on the job training. It was totally (laughs) on the job training. You (laughs) should have a doctorate.
0: I have a doctorate in being a mom. Yeah. (laughs) But I imagine that every mom who also does not have a degree in family life also has yeah. a doctorate in being a mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel about that degree? Like
0: now I uh, oh, I kick myself every day for getting it. And I, that's not to mean that it can't be useful. There are things you can do with a family life degree. You can go into um lots of different uh like social service type things like uh I would call those case managers and you can work for institutions that do things with the family. Um, you can use it to get into grad school in a like mental health field. You So it, it would lead right into like something like um, some kind of mental health field, you know, mm-hmm. uh, marriage and family therapy or uh, social work, stuff like that. But my husband's a psychologist. So I have seen that field for the last 15 years and it's just not something I want to go into. So for me right now, that degree, the only thing that degree is doing for me right now is proving that I was capable of finishing it, but it's not something that is going to launch me into any of the careers that uh, I desire to have at this point. So do I regret getting a degree? No, I don't regret getting a degree. I think that's great. Do I, if I could go back in time with the hindsight and, you know, when they say hindsight 2020, whatever, Mm -hmm. if I could go back in time, I would get a different degree that might, um, help me more at this point in my life, like in marketing or in business or something like that.
1: Yeah. I did not get a degree. (laughs) I went from a high school student to married and then I worked at graciously. I got a job at a bank or credit union by like just their goodness in their heart, they hired me and I was so grateful. I got four years of financial education that I had none going into. So I'm so grateful for my boss, um, that hired me there. And then I got pregnant and started just staying at home. So I, I went to school for like a year, um, but my husband and I had already decided that I would just stay home and he would support us. Um, but yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back, I see how stressful it is to be the sole provider of a family. Um, and the fear that I've had if something were to ever happen to my husband, I'd be <laughs> screwed because I have no college education. I could not afford to... on a job that I could get support my family and that scares me
0: well and I think that brings out a good point on a job that you think you could get at this point in your life right which is kind of the point of women in pants is to help us realize all the possibilities there are even without the specific college degree or all the possibilities there are to go get the degree that you want even, quote, later in life. Okay. Which it's funny. Like, I I definitely, some days, feel like we are midlife. <laughs> like, I definitely feel like I am a midlife woman. Oh, my body feels like it. Definitely. <laughs> but then other days, when I'm like, when I say the phrase, like, older women like us, I'm like, I'm not an older woman. Like, that's my mom. I'm not an older woman. <laughs> But I guess we kind of are older women. Or one thing I wanted to say is that we were working as stay-at-home moms, right? We just weren't yeah. getting paid, and I think that's it important to realize. Like I know, I know you did like um, volunteer service through some of the organizations that you were a part of. I did volunteer service things. Um, I definitely helped out at the schools with my kids. Yeah. I did I, have
1: like a daycare job too.
0: Yeah. You were taking care of other people's kids. You were doing things that you could do on the side kind of thing. I also, so my husband and I started his private practice and I really did a lot of the back end work of it. Um, A lot of the paperwork, a lot of the taxes, a lot of things like that. Um, And I think it's important to recognize that those are skills that could translate over to the workforce if i if i i don't know what the word is word them right if i word them right if i can position them right for a potential employer so that's kind of the background of why um i have a work history gap and so then what has happened since then so for me i know like it was probably 2 years ago When I really did make the decision that I've, I've got to have something beyond just being mom. And that's a very personal decision. Like I want to make it very clear that if that is what you want and you're happy and fulfilled with quote, just being a mom, which I do hate that phrase, by the way, I hate the phrase just being a mom, but I just used it like three times. (laughs) I don't know what to say. Um, but if you're happy with that, then cool. If you're not, that's, that's what this is for. This is for the women who are either unhappy with that being their primary role or their only role, or for women who just, frankly, you have to, we, you have to make money either through, you know, things out of your control, like getting a divorce, um, or things within your control. Like you just, you're ready to take your family income to the next level and you need to be a part of that
1: or not only your family income but your self-worth. Like once kids start going back to school or leaving the house, it's like if you've been a stay-at-home mom, your whole almost your whole adult life, there's that what now feeling. Like what do I do? I my identity was wrapped up in being a mom. And I've seen um how that can be damaging.
0: Especially as the kids leave and then leave, leave. (laughs) Like eventually they're going to leave, leave, (laughs) which sounds kind of nice some days. I'm not going to (laughs) lie, but it's true. So I think part of women in pants is helping women figure out that path, figure out how to get over that work history gap. So, from For me, this would have been really nice two years ago had someone else already made women in pants and I was able to get into it because I went down several different avenues and had to turn around and come back because they didn't work for me because I didn't know where to start mm-hmm. so when I had decided that working was something that I definitely wanted i I wanted a career I didn't want to just work um I knew that if I absolutely had to, I could go get a job, a minimum wage job at like a retail place or mm-hmm. a fast food place or a custodial or whatever. I know that I have the skills to do that. And so that, but that wasn't something that I wanted. I wanted a career. And so I was looking at different careers and of course, like I had to find something that was, that still worked for our lifestyle. So I wanted something that was flexible. I wanted something that... Um, made a lot of money, so that it made sense. If I was paying for childcare, I wanted something that I could feel proud about um, being a part of, or telling people that I was. And so I went through a, a ton of different things. Um, I had considered at one point becoming a dental hygienist. Um, I know that they make good money, and their hours are somewhat flexible, and they and they don't have to work full-time if they don't want to. They can do it part-time. So I was looking into schools for that, and I couldn't find any online schools, which is probably a good thing. Because, frankly, who wants their dental hygienist to be someone who's never actually had their hands in someone's mouth? So, like, I get that. But for me, like, I don't know what it was. Like, if I was going to go to school, it needed to be an online school because the thought of having to pack everything up and drive somewhere... And I was living in, like, small-town Idaho at the time. So... The closest dental hygienist or hygiene school was like an hour and fifteen minutes away, and the thought of having to like pack up and drive, and be in school from like dusk till dawn or dawn till dusk. What's the word? Dawn, dawn till dawn. dusk. <laughs> That'd be funny for we there for a dusk till dawn. Um, just didn't work for my family. Right? Like I definitely wanted something beyond being a stay-at-home mom, but I wasn't ready to ab- totally abandon. <laughs> my role as mom yeah. for the sake of the career. So I kind of went down that road for a little bit and then turned around and came back. Cause it just wasn't feasible for me at the time. Now, if I lived by that school and it was something where I could go to my nine o'clock class and then come home and then my three o'clock class and then come home kind of thing. Like I felt like maybe that would have been feasible, but where I was living, not feasible. So quickly dental hygiene got thrown out. Next route was, um, speech language pathology and the, the thought behind that one was um, you can get a job working for the schools. And so you have summers off with your kids. Like, we wouldn't have to figure out the whole child care thing during the, the summer. And, um, again, it's a master's degree you have to get, though. But there were online schools. So I'm looking at it. And online schools are inherently more expensive than traditional schools. So we're looking at it and we're like, okay, um, we're going to take out, you know, X... Uh, thousands of dollars. I can't even remember what it was. It was probably like a hundred thousand dollars, literally. Oh my gosh! By the time that like all the schooling's done and you have all the books and you do all the whatever, maybe I'm exaggerating. I can't remember, <laughs> but I I remember it felt it, like hundred. Felt like a hundred thousand dollars. Somebody's gonna come back and be like, "It was only oh, nine thousand dollars." <laughs> <way off. laughs> it was something that felt undoable at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that kind of rocks some of us quote older women is that we look at the student loans that we would have to take out. And then we think, okay, I don't have those, you know, 20 years that are already behind me to pay those off. I only have all the years that are ahead of me. And so you're like, you're going, okay, I'm going to be 80 by the time I pay off all my student loans. Like that just, that was just not something that I could handle at the time. And because my husband did make a decent living, I couldn't qualify for any grants. And frankly, um, grad school grants are way harder to get than undergrad school grants anyway. So that was definitely a part of the decision for me. So I think that one just got thrown out. And then I was like, oh, I remember what happened. So I was like, well, if I'm going to go into this much debt, I want like the prestige of being a doctor. And so, um, since I don't like blood and I don't like saving people's lives, <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be really difficult. <laughs> so I landed on pharmacist, which I guess you could argue that a pharmacist saves people's lives, but it's not like, it's in not person. like, it's not like in person. And it's not on. like, <laughs> yeah, you're not like actually pumping their heart kind of thing. Although I don't know. Maybe a pharmacist does have to have like training. I don't know.
1: I have no idea.
0: I have no I've never seen a TV show where the pharmacist is like. <laughs>
1: and that's where we get our information,
0: from. and since that's where my worldly information comes from, no. So I decided um, I'm going to be a pharmacist. This is what I am going to do. If I'm going to take out all the student debt, I need an income that will um, justify it. And I and looking at um, different job openings. And salary boards. I felt like the income of a pharmacist would justify the student debt. Call Sarah. I'm like talking and talking and talking. But I feel like I should just finish my story. <laughs> <laughs> so I started going down that route. In fact, I went ahead. It was one of those things where I'm like, okay, announce your goal to the world. Because if you announce your goal, then you're more likely to reach it. So I like let all of my friends and family know I'm going to be a pharmacist. You can start calling me Dr. Brazier right now. <laughs> Um, It's going to take me exactly four years, and I signed up for my first science class. And granted, it wasn't my, quote, first science class because I did have an undergrad, but it was my first, like, science, science class on the road road to to pharmacy. pharmacy, and I loved it. It was so, so different than what I had been doing for the previous 15 years as far as, like, just made my brain like, like, I don't even know how to word it. It like tickled my brain. (laughs) I know that sounds so weird, but it, it It
1: set you on fire. It
0: set me on fire. It was so interesting. And the things I was learning were fascinating and our bodies are, it was a biology class. It was like a biology for medical stuff. Like, like it was geared towards medical biology and it was fascinating how our bodies work and how, cells work and how it is amazing that we all don't die like every day because of how many things that can go wrong and how many things that have to go right in a cell and in your body and they all have to work together and they all have to like reproduce themselves in the right way. It's just, it's so cool. I absolutely loved it. And so I was like, yes, this is the career for me. I know what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a pharmacist. I've already told everyone I know that I'm going to be a pharmacist. So that is what I'm going to be. And I thought maybe I should job shadow a pharmacist. And it wasn't even with the intention of knowing whether or not I wanted to go into that field. It was to give me a better chance of making it into um, the program that I wanted to be into. I wanted to be able to be like, see, I, I've job shadowed for a long time and all this stuff. So I found my local pharmacist in small town Idaho. And he was a super nice guy. Um, and he had super nice staff. And it was the most boring thing I have ever done in my life. It was terrible. It was not for me. Like, granted, I wasn't doing... I was literally watching people do their job. And it was only for like a handful of hours every week. like I want to say like four or five hours every week. It wasn't even like a huge amount of time. But the glamour of the things I was learning in school and the like excitement of the things I was learning in school were not matching (laughs) what was actually happening on the job. And it just, it was heartbreaking, to be honest. And I think part of it was um, the embarrassment of having to turn around and tell everyone like, I'm not going to be a pharmacist, you guys. There's no way. There's no way I could do this for a decade. Um, and and I hope I'm not like offending all the pharmacists out there. We're gonna get so <laughs> We're many emails. so much mail. All the all the speech language pathologists, all the dental hygienists are gonna be like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> um, all the stay at home All the stay at home moms who don't want to go back to work. Everybody. Everyone's just going to be mad at us. That's fine, because guess what? This is my journey. Um, and so I had to backpedal that whole thing. Um, I finished that class just because, I mean, I had already paid for it, and it was fascinating, and I, I loved the class, but I literally have a random um, three-credit medical biology class floating around out there that I haven't used since and probably will never use. And not to say that, you know, knowledge isn't power, because it is. Um, it just was such a a misuse of my time and resources because I just didn't have a direction. Like, there was mm. no way for me to filter through all of my options because, one, I didn't know what all my options were. And on the flip side, I had so many options. It was, like, yeah. <laughs> insane trying to decide which ones to go after. So I just started running after as many as I could, and I wasted so much time and a little bit of money. Well, okay, probably a lot of bit of My husband would say it was a lot of bit of money that I wasted (laughs) trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but... Man, so all of this is happening, and I finally, like, pull back the reins, and I'm reevaluating, okay, what do I actually want to do? How do I want to spend my days? Maybe that's how I should do it. And I started taking career aptitude tests. Have you ever taken a career aptitude test, Sarah? And what did it say about you?
1: It said I'm creative, and I should have a creative job. I should. should. Which I do.
0: Um, That's good, because my experience with career aptitude tests are not great. (laughs) <laughs> like I think I did I tell yes. you this before? I <laughs> hate career aptitude tests. I think they're ridiculous. i There are questions on there, like, I feel like the questions are leading. I feel like the questions are like, would you rather make twenty thousand dollars a year or four hundred thousand dollars a year? And like, who is saying yeah. the twenty thousand? Who is picking yeah. the twenty thousand? Nobody is picking that my
1: choice. What would you?
0: Pick? So I pick the four hundred thousand and then the next question would be like, do you like to breathe stuffy, stinky office air? Or would you rather be in the great outdoors with nature and pine trees? And I'm thinking to myself, I who is picking this stuffy office air? Like, who is it? I don't know who's picking that. Like, this is not, this is ridiculous. So I picked the pine trees. And then there's a couple other questions and it comes back and it's like, you should be a... um a big machine operator or something like that. And I'm like, really, (laughs) really? (laughs) Like, no, I should not be a big machine operator. Like I just, I don't know why I feel like the questions on a career aptitude test just don't match reality. Like, don't ask me how much I want to make. Don't ask me if I want to be a nice environment or a crappy environment because I can ask those things myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just didn't feel like. And then even your answer, you should be in something creative. Like how vague is that? <laughs> There's you could so many options. You could literally, yeah. And in fact,
1: it's like I already knew that about myself,
0: right? <laughs> that helped me not at all. No, it's like those little like, it's like those online quizzes, like which princess is is most like you, and then you're just <laughs> like, well, what? This knowledge does me nothing. It doesn't help me at all. Um, so I did try some career attitude tests, and they just weren't working for me and then I tried the whole route of um like the like i I don't know if I call it spiritual, but the route of why why were you placed here on this earth like what were you meant to do? what is your why some people are calling it what is your why um what do you have to offer the world, what do you have to give the world and um i that's just not how my brain works either. So I'm looking at all these questions and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what my passion is. Like I, and I came to really hate the word passion because I felt like if you didn't figure out what your passion was, then you're going to hate your job forever. And all these people who are like, a job's not worth doing unless you're loving it and all that stuff. And
1: you should do what you love.
0: Do what you love. Do you know what what I love? I love eating chocolate (laughs) on a warm beach. So who's going to pay me and watching movies and TV shows? Who's going to pay me to... In fact, I actually did Google if there were jobs (laughs) where you could just watch TV. And there are... Amazon has jobs where you can watch... Or not Amazon. Netflix has jobs where you can just watch all their shows and put in the metadata for it. So you have to put, like, if it falls under, you know, like teeny bopper show or crime show or what because they have so much on there now like yeah. they can't keep up with their metadata. And I was like, "Ooh, that kind of sounds like a perfect job." And then I read an article that was like for every one opening for that job, there's like 10 million people who apply. <laughs> because and it usually goes to the person's nephew or niece who already had that job kind of thing. Like it wasn't something that like I felt like was a feasible thing. And yeah, my passion I th- I think I have so I have lots of passions. And it was stressing me out to have to figure out what my one passion was that was going to one give me a salary and two like change the world. <laughs> like that that thing that everyone thinks that they're like doing is changing the world. And I and I I don't mean to be so jaded or um I don't know what the word is. Cynical? Yeah. Cynical, I think, might be the word about it all. But um, I do think everybody has a place in this world, and everybody can do good things in this world, and everybody has something to contribute. But I also think that it's not as... idealistic and utopian as find your passion and then do it. And then everybody's happy kind of thing. Yeah. And so that wasn't working for me, right? All of these career aptitude tests, all of these find your passion tests, all of these, what, what am I good at? What, what can the world learn from me kind of tests were not working for me. So I ultimately um, decided on what is something I can do. Even on the days my kids call in sick, Eric, call in sick (laughs) are sick And have to stay home from school. Like, what can I do that won't stress me out and be like, Crap, now I have to find a babysitter. Now I have to find this and all this stuff. Um, And so I settled on writing. And I did um, copywriting. And I do have a copywriting business. And it's called Adventure Writers. And you should all go to my website. (laughs) Adventurewriters.agency. And I do enjoy it um, to a degree. It is a job. It is not, um, it is not a passion of mine and it is not, uh, it isn't fulfilling all of my wildest fantasies, but it is giving me something beyond being a mom. And I do love it for that. Like, I love that I'm interacting with people in a business professional way. And that they know me as a business professional and not as so-and-so's mom or so-and-so's wife. Like, that part of it is extremely fulfilling. And also, when I get paid, I really love that. So it turns out I do love getting paid. Yeah. My passion is getting paid. (laughs) That's what my passion is. I've been talking forever, Sarah. (laughs) I think it's your turn.
1: Oh, well,
0: I super enjoy
1: being a stay-at-home mom. A lot of stuff is, a lot of crap has happened in our life where I needed, I'm I'm grateful that I didn't have to, like, quit a job or call in sick, and I was already there so that I could deal with all that stuff.
0: Um, Why don't you talk about that? Okay. (laughs) Because I know what you're talking about. And I think some of our women will have probably experienced the same thing.
1: So let's see
0: when my kids were
1: see Casey was 18 months and Bennett's two years older than him when they were little like before Bennett went into preschool I was diagnosed with breast cancer and it wasn't like we caught it super early so I only needed to go through like four rounds
0: of chemo but um I know nothing about breast cancer, like literally nothing, because it's just not, well, I shouldn't say nothing, because it is on TV. super sex. (laughs) I'm sure it does. But four rounds of chemo kind of sounds like a lot, and you're telling me that's not a lot. Well, compared to what other
1: women have gone through, although because I was only getting four rounds of chemo, they didn't put the port in me, where they can just, like, stick you with the needle, and then it goes in. Every time I went in, they had to find a vein, and I have... Did you callus
0: over it at some tiniest point? tiniest
1: veins. No, I didn't callus over it, but... So, they'd have to dig around for a vein, which sucks. It hurts so bad. And then one time, that I got, like, a chemo burn because it went outside my <gasps> vein. And oh. it, like, scarred me for a couple years. Anyways, so... If you're gonna get breast cancer, I if suggest gonna if going it's part of your plan, four rounds of chemo so you can get the port. <laughs> no, and then I did have a double mastectomy, which sucked because a I lost my boobs, and b I couldn't pick up my kid for two, three months, and he was 18 months old, and Casey is a super mama's boy, I mean if you know him, and mm-hmm. that was an
0: adjustment for our family. Anyways, do you um, think during that time you could have worked outside the home? No. Yeah.
1: I I can't I imagine. even lift like 3 pounds. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not to mention the kids, not to mention isn't chemo exhausting? It is. Like aren't you like sick you, and it exhausted and wipes you out? I imagine there are women who are listening to this who had to have their work history gap for illnesses like this.
1: Yeah. Like the surgery, I had to recover for three months and then start my four rounds of chemo. So then after that, like I was two years in recovery, we found out my youngest had cancer. So I, every week he had to go down. We had to drive. We lived in two hours away from the hospital that he would drive to or we would drive to for him to get um, chemo treatments and surgeries and Four of those, we had to stay overnight. So there's absolutely no way I can. I mean, there are family leave options if you are working, but I, I'm just grateful that I didn't have to deal with that and I was home and able to take care of that. So we've got that. And then five, four years later, second grade, we find out Casey has, um, autism. <clears throat> He's high functioning So it took a while for us to recognize it, which we kind of saw signs when he was like two, before he was even diagnosed with cancer. But this is the first year and he's in fourth grade. I have not been called to school at least once a week to come help calm him down from a meltdown or deal with issues there. And so being a stay-at-home mom has helped in that I'm available to help help my son, and I don't want to call it a disability because I don't think it's a disability, but that has neurological issues that don't conform to what school is and help him get through regular school day life. I'm I'm really grateful. That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> it is a
0: lot. Like, I know I'm your friend and I've known you, but to have you just spell it out like that is like, that's a lot to deal with. And in between, I mean, I
1: had like a daycare job that I did, but like you, I felt lost because I had no education. And so I'm looking for like ways I can make money that would justify either putting my kids in daycare or taking my time away from them. And so you fall into this trap of like, oh, you should do. And I, okay, I know a lot of women make a lot of money doing this, but like, I was introduced to Pampered Chef. I was introduced to oils or,
0: you know, all the, what is that called? MLMs. Yeah. And here's my take on MLMs. If it's something you're doing because you love that, that's one thing. Yeah, you're passionate if it, Yeah. It. If it's something you're doing because you honestly feel like that's the only thing that a stay-at-home mom can do because
1: mm-hmm.
0: what are your other options, that's what I don't love about it.
1: Right. And you have to have a specific like personality for I, suppose, I you think. You do. I am not super I'm not mlm I <laughs> you
0: have
1: to have like a social. Yeah.
0: Well, and you have to be willing to use your network. And that's, yeah. you know, you got to have that's got to be a personal decision that you are okay with doing. Yeah. Um but what I don't like about it is that it feels like often, at least I felt this way as a stay-at-home mom when I'm looking at options, like it kind of felt like the only option. For a while there, but like if the only option is to sell to my friends, because who else am I gonna sell to? I'm like, I can't be on the phone and be like, "Hold on, just a minute, my son needs me to wipe his butt." You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) how are you gonna like? (laughs) Like, it's not. It just wasn't feasible. No. Yeah.
1: And last year, I did get a job at um a business. It was soul-crushing, though. It was retail during Christmas. (laughs) And I lasted, like, two months. And you probably weren't making very much money. No. And I was working 10 hours a day with no breaks. Like, they would not... I I went to them. I'm like, should I take my lunch or break? And they're like... We kind of frown upon that because we're so busy right (laughs) now. We kind of (laughs) frown upon eating here
0: because...
1: (laughs) I don't think they were um, following... Work ethic guidelines, or whatever that is. I won't name their names so I don't get them in trouble, but it was not fun and didn't last long. And I mean, were you making
0: more than minimum wage? No. Yeah. I was making minimum wage. Which is also so, do you feel like that is so like a slap in the face that you have over, we're, we're just going to call ourselves over 30.
1: <laughs> we're just going to
0: say over <laughs> but 30. But not
1: by much. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. yeah, it's debatable. Come on. Over 30 years of life experience and you and your economic worth is minimum wage. Yeah. Like that is that's crushing. Like that doesn't feel good. And I think that's now that we have completely depressed everyone oh, on this episode. <laughs> I think it's important that we like shine the light. Right. And that's the whole point of women in pants is shining the light on what your options are and how you get there. Like, I think that's, that's our goal is to empower women to overcome their work history gaps. And I, I don't want anyone to walk away from our podcast or any of our, um, you know, uh, blog posts or social media outlets or anything that we present. I don't want anyone to walk away from that and think I, my economic worth is a minimum wage. Because it's not. Like I just think that's that's just not the case. You have years of life experience that can mean something to some employer and or can help you start your own business. Like I definitely think you need to look at all of your options and realize that there are options. And then on the flip side, help you narrow down the bajillions of options that there are. I think that's the whole point of Women in Pants is empowering you to find what works for you, whether or not that be your, quote, passion, or if it's um, just something that pays really well, and so in that way it satisfies you, or something that gives you the um, social and business network that you're looking for, and that empowers you or if it's something that uses a life skill that you have and that empowers you or gives you a life skill and that empowers you or something that you're constantly learning from and that empowers you or something that serves other people and that empowers you, like whatever it is, that's what we're here to do. And we do that by the logistical baby steps, right? Mm -hmm. Things like overcoming the fear of jumping back into the workforce or entering the workforce for the first time. Things like how do you present your resume so that you don't look like you have nothing to offer? How do you um, do an interview and talk highly about your time as a stay-at-home mom without sounding like an unprofessional businesswoman? Mm-hmm. Like these are the we want real-life skills that we are going to help you have or teach you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have Anything real else to add like that? <laughs> real life,
1: real life and realize that you do have these skills. You might not see them as work history skills, but definitely skills you can contribute to a, a business.
0: Um, and if there are skills that maybe you don't have, we're going to sh- point you in the direction of how to get them. And, the, and either the most economical way to get them or the shortest route to get them or things you can be doing in the meantime, volunteer work, whatever, to get the skills that you need to have for the career that you want to have.
1: Yep. And what I'm excited about, too, is the community we're going to create yeah. for support and mentorship and ideas and hopefully connect um, businesses with these women.
0: Yeah. I think the larger like um meta goal maybe, mega goal, meta goal, I don't know what to call it, um is to open people's minds to the idea of hiring someone, hiring a woman with a work history gap and to recognize that um she's a hard worker
1: and she has value. And she has value. And something to contribute. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's our story. That's why we're here. That's my work history gap story. And mine. And we hope that you enjoy this podcast. Um, The episodes that follow, some of them are stories from women just like you and their work history gap stories and how they overcame them. Some of them are from professionals on how to overcome your work history gaps and things that you can be doing right now to improve your chances of getting uh, that career that you want.